and welcome to this week's episode of A Brew with Chris and Lou. Hello. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of A Brew with Chris and Lou. Today we are really tired, I've had a long week, been really busy, so I'm having a glass of wine. Yeah, glass of wine is needed. It's the start of the summer holidays. Yeah. Uh, there's people everywhere. There's children everywhere. There's young people everywhere. Like, they need to go back to school, and we're only five days into the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are a parent, grab yourself that bottle of wine. Down it in the next half an hour, 45 minutes, while you listen to us chat and absolute cheddar. Yeah, but also drink responsibly. Yeah, of course. All right, yeah. use a straw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, or one of those bottles. One of those bottles, so you don't have to go to the fridge. Do you know? Yeah, those oh yeah, where it's like a glass of wine on top and a wine bottle in the bottom. Yeah, bit, a bit like a mullet. Business in the front and a party in the back. Yeah, a mullet. Yeah. Oh yeah, I get you. What a you mullet. mean? A mullet. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about mental health. <laughs> yeah. So this week's episode is about mental health and. Uh, I'm going to talk openly about my journey with mental health. Um, and we're going to start with some facts and figures from our Lewis. Because I'm the step man. Yeah. You're... <laughs> wow. Oh, the discerning looks I'm getting. I've just hit myself now. So you have just gonna look absolutely bounced in the last like yeah. thirty seconds. I've woken up. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm God, he's been so miserable. Um, speaking of miserable, <laughs> <laughs> lovely little segue onto depression. Yeah, let's talk about it. So, um, and I think just to preface it, like mental health is one of those topics where you know some families don't talk about it or people don't talk about it because there's a whole host of like reasons why so like whether it's pride or you know they don't want to be seen as um like weak talking about it but for me like talking about mental health is a really really important thing to make sure that actually you know people are discussing things and getting to know what's going on yeah um so you know mental health it's a big um big big topic and and you know we've got 45 minutes but i'm sure we could talk for hours and hours and hours um so i'll look at um some of the stats that i've just sort of dug up from online um so depression is probably one of the most prevalent mental health disorders and it affects around one in six adults in the uk um and it's it's always associated um mainly with other sort of mental Ill, mental ill health issues so such as anxiety stress loneliness and and research shows actually that women are twice as likely to experience depression than men. Um, however, this is the interesting bit. 15% of women receive treatment for their depression compared to only 9% of men. So there's about a 6% difference in people accessing treatment. But a question on that. Do we think that there is less men getting uh diagnose a depression because they are too scared to admit that they have mental health issues possibly and i think actually it's that whole i don't know it, it could be you know that it's that whole pride thing or or the t too scared to ask for help don't know how to ask for help or or actually yeah it could be that they're not even being diagnosed yep sorry i've just had to sit on the floor because my back is hurting oh wow <laughs> uh, 
getting old. Um, so that's interesting, I think. And across the UK, um, rates of depression are still significantly higher than before the pandemic. Our Panny D. Mm. Um, so around 17% in the adult, of adults in the UK experienced some form of depression in summer 2021 compared to just 10% before the pandemic. And I think that figure is going to massively rise from the effects of the pandemic, to be honest. I think it is, and I think we're seeing it because, you know, sort of with my background as a youth and community worker, we, we saw the effects during the pandemic with our young people. Um, you know, with the young people that we could reach because we were stuck in our sort of houses doing Zoom sessions with young people and we were really struggling to engage young people and, and get into, into conversation with them and... And actually, it was always the same. There was Zoom fatigue. They were lethargic. They just didn't want to engage because it was just so draining and taxing on the body and the mind. Yeah, and you know what? I do think that, you know, isolation is... It can actually be really debilitating on your body because you think that you're going to have loads of energy when actually you become highly deflated, lost, because you feel like you have no cause because you've got nothing to go out for because you can't apart from going to tesco's or sainsbury's for your shop yeah absolutely and that leads me on to like sort of you know mental health is a big issue for people in general um so like the there's pressures on on the public health service so the nhs for example like people who really are struggling with mental health issues and i think you know, since the pandemic, and I think probably before, that actually the emergency services are taking in a lot more mental health um, related cases as opposed to sort of, you know, things that are broken, like physically broken, like broken bones or, you know, yeah. like physical issues that, you know, they're focusing more on mental health. And, you know, sort of in the news this week, um, Zoe Billingham, the new chairperson for Norfolk and Suffolk NHS Foundation Trust, so a bit far away from us, but it's fine, um, has tabled a concept that hasn't been thought about before, and um, she has basically proposed that we should have mental health A&Es um, to support with the, the mental health crisis and the, and the the public health issue that is it's not an issue, but the, the, the problem that is being sort of arisen by the, the rise in NHS mental health cases, you know, there's a gap in the services because you want to go to A&E and see a doctor. But, you know, the, sometimes those doctors aren't trained to deal with mental health, to triage you in an A&E. And um, that is basically her, her proposal to have mental health related A&Es to divert away from physical yeah. A&E. The issue that you've got, though, is the lack of staff for the NHS. There's also that, yeah. So, you know, the, it's a great idea, but there's not, there's definitely not enough staffing within the yeah. NHS. Um, but the concept, you know, that she's proposed would see a walk-in mental health support from psychiatrists, allowing people in crisis to get immediate care and avoid the need to be referred to specialist services. So everything's in that all-encompassing um, mental health A&E. Mm-hmm. You know, I think not only are hospitals taking on the burden, doctors and the NHS taking on the burden, community organisations, charities that are working within communities, they're taking on that pressure because, you know, 
more and more like one organization I've worked for in the past year we trained about 75% of our team in mental health first aid because the demand was there and and yeah we, we even went as far as training some of the team in suicide first aid because we were really sort of getting stuck into dealing with mental health issues with young people and you know to be realistic about it that isn't what a youth worker should be doing that isn't no. that isn't their core role that like obviously the, the having awareness is a good thing yeah. but you know we're, we're not, not mental health, health. yeah we're not, we're, we're not like a lot of the public sector and youth work and charities aren't mental health experts so actually if you take if you took away those organizations the charities the people the public services that aren't necessarily mental health experts what would you be left with because that concerns me that you know it's also leaving people open to giving the wrong advice yeah and, and whilst we're doing and this is important whilst we're on this podcast i'm not going to give out any advice because you know that's not what I'm here for. I'm just here to talk. I find this quite therapeutic, mm-hmm. especially to talk particularly about our journeys. That's actually quite a a, um, a self-healing thing for me. Yeah. Um, but we aren't here to provide advice and we yeah. can't tell you what to do and what, what, work, what works or what doesn't work because, you know, every person is different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we can definitely sort of, like talk about coping mechanisms and strategies that we use, but we can't advise people to use them or or sort of follow that up and go along with them. But you know things that like <laughs> we can talk about things like with my sort of experience as a professional within mental health that you know um, there's organisations like the child child and adolescent mental health services like CAMS. All of my favourite recommendation they give is, have you tried a nice hot bath to calm down? Absolutely. Favourite one. Uh, that's brilliant. We'll have that uh, phone call to say that, and then in about 9,000 weeks, we'll have another referral. Yeah. And then there's also strain on the system. Like, So CAMS, for me, is, is sort of a big thing, and it's a big part of our public health service or the adult mental health service. There's strain on it. Yeah. And... You know, um, there's other organisations that are in our local area that haven't got waiting lists and they pride themselves on not having waiting lists. So um, one organisation that I love and will always sort of refer people to because that I know they can get instant support and sort of access to holistic therapeutic support, but also access to counsellors and um, things like that is um, the Open Door Centre in the Wirral. And, and they only work with young people, so under 25s. But... There is no waiting list for those young people that will walk through the door. So everyone that walks through the door will get seen to and will have that immediate care and support put around them and, and care plan put in place to support yeah. them. But again, that's a charity. That's not our sort yeah. of, that's not, a, a, the, the, that's not the government or, you know, that's not the government paying our NHS to do that. That's a local charity that, you know, and an, an, a gap was identified within the community and, and, a charity's bridged that that's wrong yeah. that's absolutely wrong yeah so for our listeners out there um have we got any contact numbers or details for 
charities or people that they can speak to in their time of crisis or yeah absolutely so there's always things so for young people so i'm always young people focused there's the mix which is a an amazing online um organization that you can go on on your phone you can ring them um and they are online sort of um adults that are trusted dbs and trained to talk about mental health you know they can talk to them 24 hours a day seven days a week yeah um i've got friends that have done the training so over the pandemic volunteered for them and uh, actually supported young people um so shout out to tb you know who you are supporting those young people throughout the panny d um and then we've also got um there's places like papyrus there's um the samaritans they love is it the 118 116 i can't remember the number off my head um but samaritans they're they're great you can call them any time of the day um, we will add the numbers on at the end of the podcast yeah we'll put them on the thing but there's so many numbers there's so many helplines like it's yeah. so easy to just tap it into your phone and yeah and 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 get that instant support you know even if it's just you want to talk about how you feel like if you're working check your um, organization has uh, an employee assistance program because yeah. that's you know, people don't even realise they're paying into it or it becomes part of their employment package or a benefit. Yeah. So, you know, for um, a while in one place I worked, people didn't realise they had access to six free counselling sessions a year. Yeah. Every financial year you had six guaranteed. You didn't have to get paid. Well, you didn't have to pay for it. If you wanted more after those six two-hour sessions, I think it was, like you could pay an extra, a really nominal cost for those extra things. You know, if you've got Medicash, that's a big thing in Merseyside. And, you know, we live in the city region. So if you've got Medicash as part of your organisation, check the employee assistance programme with that. That's got brilliant apps that you can use. There's so much. We're so connected in our, in our day and age. But it's taking that step to actually yeah type in that number or search the app or search the website to just get that support. But, you know, speak to your managers, your colleagues, if you're working. Speak yeah. to friends and family, you know, someone you might know someone that's gone through something similar or have has similar feelings and and they can help you as well there's also um, a great charity called mind as well love mind mind's great um yeah i've done a lot of like looking into mind um but yeah you are right about the employee assistance program that's a lot of people don't realize that they've got those benefits um and i think that nationally as well there's a lot of charities like you said the samaritans yeah um you know it's there are a lot out there and i will at the end of the podcast uh just tell you about uh some of those numbers that you can call if you are in uh, a time of need so to kind of lighten things up and just yeah. tell you um a little bit about what happened before we started recording the podcast uh, I tried to look for my glasses and I ironically couldn't see them. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> just a random little uh, throw so in. So, Velma in the corner yeah. has lost her glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> episode one of our podcast, I talked about, you know, I wanted to do this because I, f I felt like it would kind of help me like mentally and to uh, kind of just as well, just have a bit of appreciation for the journey that I've been on. And also I think sometimes there's a bit of a realization by saying things out loud as well. So 
my own personal journey with mental health. Um, for anyone that doesn't know me, I lost my mum to breast cancer at the age of six years old. And my mum was 35. Um, ten, 10 months after my mum passed away, my mum's dad, my granddad, he passed away. Um, I lived with my grandparents, um, my dad's family, uh, with my dad. Um, so, yeah, I moved in, I think about a month and a half after my mum had passed away in with those and had a very, very, very close relationship with my nan. It was like having the second opportunity of having a mum. And I'll move on to that shortly. Um, so when I was about 12 or 13, there was one night where I, um, I was watching TV in my room um, and my granddad always used to fall asleep on the sofa. Not on the sofa, on his chair. On his armchair. Yeah. <laughs> he had a chair. Um, but no one else was ever allowed to sit in that chair. It was exactly. one of those chairs. It's, that's my chair. The remote goes on the left-hand side and the cover goes on the right. Yeah, yeah. One of them. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, and I just heard my nan shouting from the bathroom. And I was like, why is she shouting at this hour? So <laughs> um, walked out reluctantly and she was in the bathroom and she was saying that I'm struggling to breathe uh, can you get your dad and your granddad to um to phone an ambulance um and I think that if no one was alive uh, not alive uh, awake uh, <laughs> although when you sleep you are dead to the world so. yeah <laughs> uh, I think that um she probably she probably might not have made it to be honest um and then um so she was rushed into hospital she was quite poorly for a while um and then i around the age of 13 started to kind of find out about who i was that was a real struggle me and my dad's relationship was fractured because my dad uh, i've actually spoke to my dad about this because i spoke about it briefly on the podcast and didn't really say too much about it but i came out as bi my dad really wasn't that great about it actually took me to my mum's grave to make me apologize for who i am uh, that was about eight o'clock at night so that was really really scary uh, i'd say it was damaging mentally and really, I didn't realize how much that had an effect on me. And my dad was with his ex-partner at the time who had kids, uh, would spend a lot of time there, clink of the old wine glass in the background if you didn't hear it. And I was kind of very independent and just kind of lived my life with the support of my nan and granddad. Dad would flit in, in and out every now and then. We did have a relationship, but it wasn't the best. And then, Around the age of 15, uh, I came out as gay to my dad, a bit more accepting, still a massive struggle at home, trying to kind of deal with who I am. And at the same time, my nan became seriously ill and 
it was possibly one of the most difficult things that I've ever been through. And I think, like, I, going back to my mum passing away, I actually went to see my mum after she passed away the same night because I think me being a brat at the age of six kicked up a bit of a stink uh, about it because I wanted to go and see her and I got up on the bed, I remember it so vividly, got up on the bed and gave her a cuddle. And my last moment with my nan was something I'll never forget and went into Chester Hospital where she was and basically was told, you know, this is probably going to be the last time you see her. We, I think we were told on like the Thursday that she had like stomach cancer or there was some sort of cancer. And by the Tuesday, I was saying my last goodbye, I think. It was very, very quick. And went into the room and like, when I seen her, I was just an absolute mess. Actually walked out of the room because I didn't want to get upset in front of my nan. Uh, and I was, a nurse came up to me, asked me if I was okay, sobbed on her, like she gave me a hug, which was really nice. Yeah. And don't know who, I'll never know who that was, but it was just really nice. And then I went back into the room, told her that, I'd passed my singing exam because I've had a singing exam four months before and got my results back. And then I said to her as I was saying bye, I was like, love, uh, love you, Nan, and squoze her hand really tight. My Nan wasn't really that responsive, but if you squoze her or if you like proper shouted, um, she'd respond. And her response back was, I love you too, son. Oh. And that like massively broke me because of the mother and son kind of relationship that we had between between us it was really really difficult um and obviously she was my mother figure from the age of six upwards to 15. yeah so that will possibly be one of the hardest things that i've ever been through i remember finding out uh that she'd passed away I remember locking myself in a room. My cousin Lauren was outside. He was younger than me, and I was like the older cousin, and we're very close now. But I couldn't face seeing anyone. I just like locked myself in the room and sobbed. And then, yeah, and then there was the funerals, sang at the funeral, and then uh, the following year, uh, just to give you a bit of context around my granddad, who we lived with, my granddad uh, was Grandad Grumps, would chase me around as a kid with his false teeth, <laughs> which would freak me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, uh, he, like if I, I played my music to turn loud, he'd, he'd turn that bloody music down. <laughs> um, and chase you with teeth in one hand, yeah. steroids in the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I always remember his false teeth mug. Uh, yeah, I think, Lyle. <laughs> I think my aunt Michelle actually gave a mate his false team a teeth mug once for a break oh, for a laugh. Oh my lord. But anyway, so I was always told off for banging the kitchen cupboards. Um one thing that I will tell you that's really funny, sidetrack note on this, is my granddad, I used to love winding up sometimes with little things. 
So if the, we had like ice creams in the freezer and there was one left, I would take that last one and put the box back in the freezer. Oh. Uh, so he'd think that he'd had an, he'd got an oh ice cream and he'd open the box and it, there was not there. <laughs> oh my god, it's almost like you don't do that now as a 28-year-old adult. Well, <laughs> 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 that out take food in the fridge. Yeah. Let me just take a swig of wine. So, so, so anyway, I'd been to I'd been to my mate Kim's, my best mate Kim's. Um I don't know what we've been doing. Went out went out to hers and then came back home. And the next minute I heard a bang downstairs and I uh, and the dog, like, we had a family dog, Tammy. Um, and I heard a bang, and I was like, the, the cheeky get always tells me off for banging around the kitchen. And uh, and now he's bloody banging around at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> so I went downstairs, because it was unusual. My granddad's lay on the floor. Um, and I was like, granddad, are you okay? And he, was, he said to me, Chris, Make the uh, um, make the dog uh, her dinner, and I was like, "Granddad, it's ten o'clock." I said she's been fed. He was like, "Make her a dinner." And I was like, and he, he was stuck between like a wall, a very narrow between a wall and a set of cupboards. And I was like, "Granddad, get up!" And he was like, "Chris, make the dog a food." And I was like, "Granddad, get up!" And he was like trying to get up, and he couldn't. He'd had a stroke. Oh, wow. Uh, so, ambulance was phoned, uh, woke my dad up again. Sounds like a recurring theme, really. <laughs> and, yeah, and then ambulance came, and he he was basically, he'd been to hospital that day uh, to try and be seen because he didn't feel right, and they sent him home, and then he'd had the stroke. And then he was refusing to go to hospital. And they basically said, because he knew his name, date of birth, his address, who'd won like a football game that night, they were like, he's got capacity, so we can't take him. If we take him, it's going to be kidnapping. So my dad was fuming, yeah. as were we all, because it's like, well, clearly there's something wrong. He's had a stroke. And they were like, well, we can't take him. And my dad was like, well, I'll take him. And they were like, no, it's kidnapped. And so they were like starting to talk to us about end of life care and basically saying he, 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 because he had capacity, he could die at home. So anyway, cut a long story short, as about an hour after he started to become unresponsive, yeah. went to the Countess in Chester and about a month later passed away. And then the following year, Basically, a tip for me is don't get to know me too well because apparently I'm like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> wow. Uh, because my grandma, my mum's mum, who was my last grand- grandparent, passed away. So when I talk about my childhood being pretty traumatic, it's like I don't feel like I've had the worst life in the world. But it was traumatic and me and my dad weren't close until I was about didn't get close until I was about 18 so he he was very in and out and I was very independent and that probably didn't bother me mm-hmm. but 
when I got to around the age of, it, well, when I got to 18, moved away to go to theatre school, it really started to come down like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Um, so going from that sort of child that's been sort of always been looked after, although not in your sort of standard like nuclear family of mum and dad and, and yeah. you and, and like the white picket fence and the dog, bundle all that sort of those adverse childhood experiences yeah that, that, which is what they are the races the 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 you know classic yeah. adverse experiences bundle all that up send you off into the adult world all on your own where you think you're really independent and then what happens with that yeah and i, I just had a massive meltdown the theater school for me i didn't feel were anywhere near supportive as what they should have been uh, i was asked can I please uh, get counselling done at the theatre school? Bearing in mind, uh, I was going through the NHS. And I was like, no, it's an NHS service. I need to go to them. They can't just yeah. turn up to theatre school and give me private counselling. No, that's not how it works. And then I was told by the head of acting at the time, I've got precancerous cells, but I'm still waking up at six o'clock in the morning and putting a smile on my face. I said, that's not good. That's not good. That's bringing your life to the like the, the professional, bringing their own issues into the environment, and actually, you're yeah. the focus, not them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I fell out of love with musical theatre because of the experiences that I had at the theatre school, and didn't want to pursue it as a career. I felt like people were making judgments as to why I was off quite frequently because I couldn't deal with the act because I. I'd been diagnosed with depression and anxiety, put on various medications. Some medication didn't agree with me, so I had to swap it. So I just felt like I had to get myself out of that negative environment. Uh, I did. Got with my one, not my ex-partner, just gone, but the partner before. That doesn't sound good. Uh, but um, got with him and our relationship was toxic uh severely toxic i wouldn't say that it was on my behalf um to the point where someone brings a person back to your property on the last night before they're supposed to move out and just to piss you off which isn't fair <sighs> and <laughs> nice uh so there's a lot more to that, but I won't divulge into it. Um, and then over the last year, I think that all these adverse childhood experiences have really caught up on me. I finally kind of, there was a trigger for me last year, actually. One of the triggers was watching it sin. Yeah. And the reason why it triggered was because the relationship that Ollie from... Uh, years and years. Years and years, yeah had with his parents in it and like how they couldn't accept him being gay and having HIV that brought it back for me a little bit of my childhood and I think that there'd been so much loss in my life as well that when my relationship as well started to go down the pan yeah it, it's all too relevant yeah it's it's like when things go wrong that's when my life kind of like goes up in the air and I start to panic. I go absolutely go downhill, develop really bad anxiety because 
that security is then gone. And mm -hmm. I had counseling and learned that actually I didn't really have that much of a secure relationship with a, like a, a guardian figure, parent figure, um, apart from really my nan, who I lost at 15. Like my dad, my dad's relationship was mine and my dad's relationship was okay, not great. And it's definitely like, I love him to pieces now. He is amazing. And I've particularly got to say he's massively supported me over the last year. But, you know, you can't forget about the past. And I tried to blank out the past so much about mine and his relationship that in the end it came to bite me on the arse. And I ended up going off work for two months. I got myself into a massive rut. Uh, I was probably quite um, impulsive. I was extremely up and down. And because my relationship wasn't working, it became my head just had a full blown meltdown. And uh, so I went for counseling, which was okay. Uh, the first counselor I seen was okay. Talked about some stuff from my adult life, but we didn't really touch on anything to do with my childhood. Yeah which I then seen a second counsellor who said, why the hell is your counsellor not talked about the experiences that you've had as a child? And I found that in four intense sessions with that counsellor over the space of two weeks, I learned so much more about myself uh, ever than I ever have. And uh, it was just that for me kind of started to fix things. And I went away for a bit. And as part of this counselling and therapy, I was told to write a letter to myself. Yeah. And, and you've not long got that back. Yeah. Yeah. So they sent it in the post. And yeah, it was, I, I wrote it and I forgot about it, to be honest. I was thinking, I don't know when this will turn up. So I didn't really think about it too much. And my relationship with Paul was not really in a good place. And I think that we can both openly admit that. He's an amazing person, but it just wasn't working. And um, I think that I needed to have an honest conversation with myself and getting that letter was that honest conversation. Yeah. You need to remember how important you are and how important you are in life. And, um, and you know, life's too short. Like, I think my mum died at the age of 35 and 28 now. Yeah. I want to live my life to the full try and make something positive out of my life and and you know focus on the now i don't necessarily have to think on the, the future at the moment it's like a day by day thing especially over you know recently breaking up with paul um and dealing with that breakup and you know there's still a lot of love there and and uh, massive like, there's a lot to process and a lot to adjust to, isn't there? So yeah. It's going from being in a household where there's someone always there, there's animals running riot. Okay, yeah. Animals are still running riot, but, you know, it's that change. Yeah. Was... And, like, you know, we are extremely amicable. Like, we still love and care for each other, but you kind of got to sometimes be honest about relationships and go, if it's not working, 
then you know and I think that for me is about being honest being honest and true to yourself and being honest to each other and uh, now I feel like I'm starting that process of kind of finding myself now and starting to recognize all the positives that are about me and and really realizing the support network that I have and there are people that are supporting me and I'm grateful for that and I'm never going to push that away and I'm really grateful you know we've become best friends and I'm grateful for that because I think you've been a massive support for me um not to blow smoke up your ass uh, uh, but carry on, carry on. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but, but you have you, you know, Soph and friends from school that I've linked in with, and friends from DNS. There are some really amazing friends out there that I've really realised how loved I am and how much I love them, and I'm just forever grateful for that. And I think once you find that you've got that support network, sometimes you're blind to it because you can't see. That's the end of your nose. Sometimes. Yeah. But actually, I know that I can phone someone. I've got like Sue and Hev, um, you, Haley, Donna, when she picks up the phone. When, when she picks up the yeah. phone. You're best off sending her a flare. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Donna. Uh, Sorry, Nana. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've got some really amazing friends and I'm just grateful because I feel like Yous have all got me through the last year and the difficulties of last year. Um, and, you know, this is onwards and upwards now, but I know there are many people out there suffering with mental health. and Massively, and, you know, there's a lot that you've been through sort of on the mental health aspect, but you've sort of taken those positive steps towards, it's not rehabilitation, but, it is rehabilitation so you know sort of getting back into a positive mindset you know sort of reframing your outlook on things and so you know those things like counseling like talking therapy what other sort of you know sort of experiences did you take from that sort of the holistic sort of two weeks that you talk you know those therapies and things yeah. talking therapies what what is your sort of with all these you know sort of self-coping mechanisms that you've been taught and learned you know what's the most effective one for you do you know what i won't lie i was always a person that thought that meditation guided meditation was a load of shite and it's one of my favorite things and you know what i will eat my own words now i love nothing more than focus on on the now listening to guided meditation there's an amazing app called insight timer i'll tell you a funny story now whilst i was off work last year i went on a mindfulness course and i sat in there for because i think you need to be in the headspace of you are ready to kind of deal and to rehabilitate yourself and i think that i was in a headspace and i thought what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> in my yoga pants. Yeah. <laughs> no, I went on this mindfulness course and I thought, this is a load of shite. I was like, because my head was not with it, I wasn't listening to anything that was going on. Yeah. I was focusing on all the shit things that were going on in my head. And I was thinking, I can't deal with this knob chatting shit down my ear. Didn't... Telling me to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I did mindfulness again when I was ready. 
and it was amazing. Uh, I'm, I've got to say, I'm an advocate for it now. I am an advocate for it. I think that guided meditation is good uh, for me. It might not be for everyone. I've had CBT, I've had counselling, uh, mindfulness, and also, I think that, you know, I'm really dreadful for this. Or I won't say exercise because I hate exercise. <laughs> but actually, going for a walk yeah. and zoning out and, you know, like, just, I went to Harrogate in February and it snows and I felt like I was going to get trapped in Harrogate which I wouldn't have complained about. <laughs> but Apart from the price of a cuppa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Betty's. Yeah. Uh, but actually, it was amazing. Like, going to walk in the snow, I was piss wet through, but it was amazing. Yeah. It, I, like, I literally felt like I'd wet myself at one point. <laughs> but it was amazing. Went to go sushi on my own. Don't be scared to go out on your own as well, because actually, it's... Bl- like, bloody amazing. I am so much good company to myself, it's unreal. <laughs> I chat so much. I actually speak out loud. Um, I listen to music, put my AirPods in, and I'm like, yep, sound. But don't be your own worst enemy. This, this episode, by the way, has gone over, so I'm really sorry. It's fine. But I just think, you know, good to talk and all that. Uh, but I will round it up now. But I do think that... There's an amazing app called Insight Timer that I use for guided meditation. It might not be for everyone. I'm not going to say that that's your your kind of best strategy to use. Yeah, it's a strategy. It's an a, it's an a strategy. But like I said earlier, I'm not a mental health expert, so and that is just what I found works for me. Reading is reading for me. Mm, debatable, but you know I will give it a go. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it sort of leads and it's, it's nicely because it, I've just pulled up like an activity that I did with a group of kids a, a while ago um, around mental health. So we just qualified as mental health and suicide first aiders uh, in work. And, and we thought, right, let's let's do an exercise with the young people. Let's see how many coping strategies or methods of taking a break or taking time out that they could come up with. And, and they came up with about 50 and some of these are from like eight year old kids. Some of these are from like 16 year olds. So they're really yeah. diverse. So my favorite one, my all time favorite one is take a bath because, you know, I just love a bath. There's nothing, yeah. you can't beat a bath. Yeah. Um, and then one, one young person wrote, listen to a guided meditation, meditate, take deep belly breaths, belly breath, take some belly breaths. Like I, I didn't know what a belly breath was, but. You know, that's that was that was a fun one to sit and learn with the young person. Actually, I thought I like a good belly breath, and I'm developing a big belly for a belly breath. <laughs> and then another one: go to a body of water, and I get that. Like that's one of my favourite things. So body of water, a large body of water, a large mass of water, like a uh, giant lake or whatever. Not like the one by you because it's a bit mouldy. You know. <laughs> um, like go. Well, I, one of my favourite things in lockdown, I went with my best mate and his partner. We went and literally climbed Snowden, and there's a giant lake, and it was in the middle of the summer. Yeah. And I sat at the lake for about ten minutes, and then left them to carry on walking, messing about. I love that, it. That was probably when the restrictions were lifted, though, wasn't it? It was after the restrictions were lifted. And then other things, go for a run, take a bike ride. I'm meander around town. 
a meander. An eight-year-old did not like meander. And if they did, I need to go back to school. Um, Colour with crayons, love colouring in. Like, yeah. sort of, you know, view some art or do something funny or pet a fairy creature. Oh, see, animals turn off. If all. anyone wants to loan Theo, you are more than welcome to. He'll <laughs> piss on your floor. He'll chew your bed. Rent a puggle. Yeah, rent. Oh my god. Rent a puggle for a cuddle. Oh my god. Start that up as a business. He will shit on your floor probably and he will chew your carpet, but he will lick your face to death. Yeah. Uh, he will. And probably stick your, his lipstick in your face as he's jumping all over you as well. Fine. So there was another one create your own coffee break. So oh. take time to make coffee or another one. And I found this one quite interesting. Eat a meal in silence. Oh. I get that. And then another one, which I think you've sort of gotten into a bit, was find a relaxing scent. So, like, aromatherapy oh. type stuff. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Love a massage. We're going to need another 45 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> but quick story before we round this up, because I've chatted on enough. But I did have reflexology. And if anyone knows me, knows I've got very ticklish feet. And I swear to God, I nearly took this Russian lady's head off, a, clean off her shoulders <laughs> because I nearly screamed the room down because she just grabbed my feet and I was like, ah! and she went, you need to relax. And we were like 20 minutes, 25, 30 minutes into it. And she was like, you're still not relaxed. And I went, I know, you're touching my feet. So please stop touching my feet. And she was like, it's reflexology. I need to touch your feet. I was like, ew, fetish. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. But no, that's it. And I think, you know, although we've, you've sort of shared quite a lot and, and, you know, thank you for sharing that as well, like, because it's a big thing and talk. I think for me, the big thing is if you can talk, please talk to anyone and, yeah. and anyone, you know, can ask for help. It's just about taking those steps and making it. Making it come to making it come to life and happen. Um, mental health is a big thing, and it's only going to become more of a a thing that's at the front of our minds to talk about and and sort of be duty bound to talk about as as people, as members of the community, you know, as professionals. I think we need to talk a hell of a lot more about mental health and make it more normal yeah. to actually discuss in in the house, around the table, you know, in front of each other over the phone. It doesn't matter how you talk about your mental health as long as you do. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. So, thanks very much for listening. Thanks Uh, very much. And uh, hopefully, if we haven't bored the ears off you, you will listen to episode five. 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 Where are we? What was last week? Uh, Three. This is four. And next is five. Oh, wow. Magic. And well, and, and another thing, if you can, leave us a little review on whatever platform you're listening to us on, because we've not asked yet. So if we're shit, give us one star. If we're all right, give us three. If we're boss, give us five. Nice one. Cheers, la. Nice one, Queen. Bye-bye. Bye.